Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. If you've got any pro system in your building and you're watching pro tape and you watch Leatherwood and you claim him, you know, your pro guys, you send them right to Pearl Vision Center. They got to get an eye exam. <laughs> like something's <laughs> fucked up here. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. Michael, the calendar has turned to September, and the season is one week away. How good is that, right? One week away, we kick it off. September, the greatest month of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got real football coming up. Rosters are set. Everybody's in place. And now we just have to do the analyzation and make sure we know what the hell we're talking about to give people some good (laughs) betting advice as we're going through this thing. Have you been been prepping? Have you been doing your homework? I'm always doing my homework over here, Michael. You know, there's no clause in the contract for me here for doing my homework because I got to make sure that we can get some winning (laughs) bets this football season as we try to uh, make this a little bit more profitable. But as always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can tweet at us at... M Lombardi NFL is where you can find Michael at Femi Abebefe is where you can find me. Our producer Stephen Bond with us as always on the ones and twos. And not only is the calendar turned to September, but the money is also flowing here on the first mm. of the month. How about Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos coming to an agreement on a five-year deal that's going to pay Russell Wilson $245 million, $165 million guaranteed as Russ gets his money now that the new ownership is in place in the Rocky Mountains. Well, I mean, we thought this would happen. I found the most interesting thing about the Russell Wilson contract is how, you know, Wilson ended up taking the deal, but he didn't take the full 230 guarantee that ultimately you see Deshaun Watson get in Cleveland, which to me sends a huge signal to the rest of the league that maybe that was an anomaly. Maybe that's just going to set aside. You know, Russell had two years left on the deal you know, as they extended it out. We knew this was going to happen. I mean, we've been talking about it on the GM Shuffle mm-hmm. for months, right? We knew this was going to be the first thing they did. So, you know, it makes sense for Denver. They're fully vested. The owner spent the money to get this done, but there's going to be ripples effect as we go forward. Lamar Jackson and other quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, anybody else who's up for a new deal because of this guarantee. I was going to say, do you think some of these other quarterbacks are a little spicy that Russell didn't push for that fully guaranteed contract because he had the chance with Deshaun Watson getting all that money in Cleveland to maybe try to push for something like that since his resume is better than Deshaun Watson's? No doubt. And I, but I think ultimately, you know, I don't know. We got to see how the deal breaks down, right? Yeah. And so he had two years left on the deal. You know, he knows he's not going to get cut over the next two seasons. So if the guarantees are backloaded a little bit in that sense, then maybe this looks like he got more guarantee than what we what's being reported. So for me, I'm okay. I don't know to really critique it until I get there. But the reality of it is, is, you know, this again puts a horrible light on Cleveland to go ahead and guarantee a guy who's who's in a 23 civil suits, the first fully guaranteed contract. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, other teams have been able to maneuver around it and do exactly what they've wanted to do. Yeah, it's it really you wonder what Cleveland was doing there. But I think they had to go to those lengths to try to secure Deshaun Watson there in a trade. I, I I, I think that's right, fam. I think mm-hmm. they had to. I think they they basically just went ahead and laid themselves at the mercy of the of the of the court because they had to get back in it. Yeah, you know, just think about the ripple effect of one mistake, right? Just think about how one mistake ripples forward, forward, and forward. You know, they trade the twelfth pick to Houston to pick Watson. You know, there was internally, they didn't feel Watson. There were an analytical community with Sashi Brown running the team at 12. They didn't feel Watson was worthy of that pick. Then they fired, they fire Sashi Brown. They bring in Dorsey. Dorsey didn't think, like I didn't, Josh Allen would ever improve his accuracy. And he picks Baker Mayfield. I mean, just think of all these things that have had to happen to get to this point, right? If any mm-hmm. one of them doesn't happen, you know, say they pick Josh Allen, you know, then this doesn't happen. Say they pick Watson, then this doesn't happen. You know, it's just how all this has transpired, and basically it's an act of desperation, clearly, on, on the Browns' part to do this because they had to. They had to get back into the race. 
Russell Wilson is now the second highest paid quarterback, Michael, in terms of the average annual value. Aaron Rodgers being the first one at just over 50 million. Russell Wilson comes in at 49. Then you have Kyler Murray at 46.1. Deshaun Watson at 46. And Patrick Mahomes at 45. Is there any risk in giving Russell Wilson this much money? Because he is going to turn 34 in November. And now he's locked in for the next seven years there in Denver. I, I don't see it. You know, I don't see the risk because he, you know, we're seeing quarterbacks play into their late 30s, even small quarterbacks like Drew Brees. You know, Russell's arm to me doesn't look like it's had taken any step back. I think the concern you have with Russell moving forward is, is he going to run? 183 mm-hmm. yards rushing last year, the lowest in his career. Is he going to take off and run? One of the things is you get older at quarterback. And, you know, look, the quarterbacks from other eras didn't play into their late 30s and 40s because they got the shit beat out of them, right? I mean, they just got destroyed. And so because of that, they weren't able to, you know, they, they, they didn't have a long career. Now they're protecting the quarterbacks better. But to me, where is Russell's athleticism? Because that's the key to his game, Fem. You know this yep. as well as I do. That's the key to his game. If he's not moving and shaking and, and doing, you know, the chef stuff that he likes to do, let him cook, <laughs> then, it, then it becomes a problem, you know, and, and people can catch him. It's a little bit like, you know, if, if you force Tua to move, he doesn't have the speed to get away for you or the athleticism, right? Or the arm to do it. So you you make him a lesser player. If you make Russell move and he can't get away from you, he becomes a lesser player. Russell Wilson's production warrants this kind of a contract because since he entered the league in 2012, you look at what he's been able to do from a passing standpoint. He's fourth in yards per attempt there. And then he's also third in passing tees with 292, fifth in passer rating at 101.8. But the most important statistic in all of football is winning. And he's second just behind Tom Brady at 104 wins since 2012 there. So Russell Wilson, we know quarterbacks aren't the only reason why teams win, but Russell Wilson being a big reason for Seattle and why they won a lot of football games over the the past decade so you see why they gave him that money now with that said michael does russell wilson taking less of a guarantee now hurt one lamar jackson who is looking for a fully guaranteed contract from the baltimore ravens well i mean here's what i think it you know the rubber meets the road you know darren waller has we've just seen it in the uh in the all the articles that he changed agent drew rosenhaus tweeted out that he's a new that he's his new agent Mm-hmm. There is always the moment before the opening of the season where contracts can get done and reality sets in. The, the, the Raiders have been trying to get Waller's contract done. They had a tough time with the prior agent of understanding the, the, the years that are built into the contract, right? Yeah. And so because he had years built into the contract, plus he had a franchise tag at the end of that contract that essentially you could use, you know, that money isn't like just vanished. It's there. They could exercise or he could retire. Two things. Well, it's the same thing with Russell Wilson. So Lamar's camp will argue, well, he had years left on his deal, right? And so therefore, because he had years left on his deal, you know, he had to take lesser deal. I don't see that. I think Lamar, as we get close to the season, Close to that point, he's got to be really careful that he doesn't all of a sudden become penny wise and dollar foolish. Like, yes, it's one thing to want the 230, but the other thing is, is to take what you can get at this moment. Why would you not? You don't want to go play another year without it. So I think that, that the essence of the deal is has to happen now. It should happen over the weekend. You know, if it, this was a normal situation with an agent in a club, you would just lock yourself in a room for 24 hours and get it done. I don't know how that's going to work with Russell and his with excuse me with Lamar and his mom, but to me, I think the sense of urgency is right now, and I think R- Lamar's got to be realistic and say, okay, what's the best deal I'm going to get right now? And I think I got to take it. I don't want to risk going out there and playing without it. You know, I find it interesting. Randy Mueller, who was a former general manager, 2000 NFL executive of the year, and he was talking on Twitter just this morning here. And I thought it was an interesting take saying that he thinks that Lamar, because of his age being much younger than Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson right now, 25 years old versus Russell Wilson, who's 33, turning 34 in November that maybe Lamar can use his age as a way to get that fully guaranteed contract because Russell probably getting the last bite at the apple with this big deal that he's getting from the Broncos. Do you think that age could factor into things for Lamar Jackson in a positive manner? Well, I think it it does in a different way. Like, I think if I'm Lamar's agent, let's do a four-year deal. Let's do a Mm -hmm. four-year deal. 
Let's button, let's do a four-year deal and, and, and hit the market again. Let's hit the market again. Because by the time that market is there in four years, God only knows what it is. Yeah. So, you know, remember, <laughs> guaranteed is equated to years. Okay, so if I guarantee you, if you do a $100 million contract and you want 70, 70% of it guaranteed, right? I want five years, I want four years, you know, and we're, we've agreed on four, but I only want to guarantee 60 over four. You want 70 over four. There lies the, the negotiation, yeah. right? So the more I give you in guarantee, you know, the more years I should get, right? That's the logic of it. And if you want it fully buttoned up, then, you know, then you've got to give me six years. If you don't want it fully buttoned up, you give me four. I think there's a negotiation there. I see it more in terms of service. I think he wants another bite at the apple. If I were Lamar's agent, I would want another bite of the apple. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be as worried because I know I'm going to play four years. I'm too talented. I'm too quick. I'm too fa- I'm too athletic. I've got to protect myself against injury. There's no doubt. However, that being said, I'm going to get another bite at this apple. And when I do, watch out. Watch out. I'm going to be in the prime of my career. Yeah, that's kind of what Dak Prescott did with the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of it was the fighting over four years versus five years. Dak Prescott getting being able to get that four-year contract where he can maybe set himself up for another bite at the apple. Also, that contract now no longer in the top five. It's funny how these QB contracts keep going and topping each other. So even the Patrick Mahomes deal, now the fifth highest deal in the NFL in terms of an annual average there for the Kansas City Chiefs. Jimmy Garoppolo, Michael. Very, very interesting stuff earlier this week. Jimmy Garoppolo taking a pay cut to stay with the 49ers as they announce that they will keep him on the roster this season. Maybe a trade partner emerges once we start playing some of these games here. But I didn't think that this was going to be the conclusion uh, when we sat here and talked about this a couple weeks ago and even a month ago between the Niners and Jimmy G. I didn't think it was going to be. A, I didn't think so either. You know, I didn't think it would happen. I thought he would go because, I mean, look, we know Kyle Shanahan said this is this is going to be, uh, you know, Trey Lance's team, and we have to move forward. And if it wasn't going to be that way, why was Jimmy G practicing over there on another field? Why yeah. was he? Why was he always <laughs> separated? I mean, look, I've said this on Instagram, and I've said it many times, you know, before. I think the the reality here is is San Francisco knows that if Trey Lance is going to be the starter and that's their full intent, they're going to have mm-hmm. to run him. They're going to have to maneuver him in the running game. And we said it last week, it's going to be a single wing type offense. That the idea that he's going to be a drop back passer is not really there. I mean, you know, now people are saying to me in the league, well, you know, he's really more of an athlete than he is a football player. That, you know, had he gone to any other school, he would have been a free safety, not a quarterback. You know, that wasn't the rhetoric we were hearing coming out in the draft, right? Like, that wasn't it. I I kind of agree with that sentiment. It's a little bit like, you'll remember this name, Jake Lockler. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay, to me, I went to Jake Lockler's workout. Now, in that workout up in Seattle, he was 20, I think it was 40 for 41 in his throws. When I left that workout, you know what I felt like? I felt like he was the best athlete ever since he was a little kid. So he always played shortstop. He always batted third. He always played point guard. He played, But at some point, his talent never manifested itself to the position they put him in. And so he really should have been a running back, not a quarterback. Right? But because he had gone down this path so long, they kept him there. That's the analogy some people are saying to me as it relates to Trey Lance. And, and I kind of agree with it, Femi. I don't see okay. instincts. I don't see rhythm. I don't see timing. However, that being said, we'll give him his due. We'll see if, we'll see if we're wrong. And we'll go forward with it. But to me, I think what Kyle did was say, hey, look, I'm going to need a really good backup. It's, Nate, it's not Nate Sutfeld. It's not Brock Purdy. How about if we just go to Jimmy and try to make a deal with Jimmy? And I think that they did the smart football decision. And I, you got to applaud them for it. I mean, you know they don't take criticism. You know this isn't great for Lance's uh, confidence yeah. or moving forward. But it's the best football decision for the team. Well, you mentioned Lance being a little bit shaky and you're not seeing some of the instincts from the quarterback position. How much of that do you think was just because of the long absence since he's played football regularly since he sat for much of last year then also had only one game in the 2020 COVID season there at North Dakota State? You know, I, I think it's an innate thing, right? I think it comes to you. You know, I, I guess what the question for me is, how did he end up at North Dakota State? Like, what did, why, he wanted to go to Minnesota and they wouldn't offer him. It's the same thing with Trubisky. He wanted to go to Ohio State. They wanted him to play free safety. 
Like, like what's what did they like? I would I didn't watch Lance's college high school tape. No, excuse me, I did when I was at Arizona. It was a lot of running. You know, it was a lot more running than it was quarterbacking. Now, look, I'm not saying the colleges don't get this wrong. I'm not saying yeah. that Josh Allen ended up at Wyoming. They do, but to me, that's a question that I think you have to answer. To me, I, I think experience. Kyle said it too. Kyle said, "Look, you know, I wish we could get him more reps. We just don't have enough time to get him more reps." So. I think to me, this is what they're living with. And I don't understand, you know, where they're going to go. I think they'll come out and they'll play against Matt Eberflus's defense, which is the same defense Lovey Smith runs in Houston, you know, and they'll have certain things that they want to use his feet for. He'll have a lot of easy throws. I mean, after the game, we'll sit here and we can watch the tape together and I'll tell you mm-hmm. scheme throw, scheme throw, scheme throw. Oh, no, talent throw. Like, that's what you have to do with quarterbacks is, is what is a scheme throw or the, the throw the quarterback made? What does the throw the offensive coordinator made and what is the throw the quarterback made? You decide. And when you go through the tape like that, you know, when you throw a bootleg to the guy in the flat and you hit him and he runs for 20, that's a scheme throw. Yeah. You know, when you throw an in cut with two people around them and you hit it in, the, you hit it in there, that's a quarterback throw. Do you think that the Niners decided to reduce Jimmy G's contract and keep him on to extend that trade window? Because that's what I thought when they no, decided to restructure I, it. You I, think that this is just to have him as the back for all 17 games? I think it's twofold. I think they know they're going to need him. I think they know they need him. And two, I think because they know they need him and he becomes an unrestricted free agent and he has a healthy shoulder when he goes out there, they may get a compensatory pick. They may get mm-hmm. something more than what they were. They were never offered anything of substance. So it kind of protects them a little bit. And they got the contract that they wanted. They got $18 million to now go ahead and give to Nick Bosa on this year's cap. They've got more flexibility. So I, I look, I, Al Davis should say this all the time. Oh, fuck it. I, I'm not looking to be consistent. I'm looking to be correct. And <laughs> this is one of those where they were not looking to be consistent. They're looking to be correct. But you can, you can manifest this in any direction. I did Pat McAfee this week on Tuesday, and, and I talked about it. I mean, this goes back to when Kyle was in Cabo, and he lost out on Stafford. And, you know... And then he, then he really wanted Mac. And nobody wants to believe this, right? Because it just doesn't fit the narrative. You know, can you imagine there's people out there betting Trey Lance for MVP this year? It's, <laughs> it's an interesting situation. Um, I think that Lance might have a chance just based on if he plays well. But uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's going to be tough here for Trey Lance to, to win MVP just based on MVP? what you're saying. It's going to be tough. MVP? I mean, come on. Even, I mean, MVP, you got to throw for f- almost 4,800 yards. Come on. If they win this, if they go to the Super Bowl, it's going to be because their defense is great. MVP, are you kidding me? Are you watching anything on tape? Like, seriously, what does an MVP look to you? I mean, I, it's a, to me, I don't even understand how anybody could come up with that that, that that pretends they know something about football. Come on, MVP? How is that possible? You got to throw for 4,500 yards. You got to throw for, th- I mean, look at the last, last two years. Aaron Rodgers has been the MVP of the league. Yeah. Look, what he, look at his numbers. <laughs> you got to dominate the league throwing the football. You think this kid's going to dominate the league throwing the football? It, it remains to be seen. <laughs> it remains well, to what, be seen. What's the evidence? I mean, what's the it's, evidence it's not, that he yeah. can? The evidence is not there because he simply hasn't played. Then it's, a, then it's a St. Jude's pick. You're just giving money to St. Jude's. All you're doing is trying to justify that you like Trey Lance coming out in the draft. That's all you're trying to do. You're trying to justify it. Look, it's not a question about justifying it. We see this all over the National Football League. You know, mm-hmm. well, this team cut that third pick. This team cut this second round pick. Look, let me give, let me give you some news. You're going to cut draft picks. It doesn't matter who you cut. It matters how many guys you got to play. It ma- winning is the only thing that matters. Your draft grade doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, put yeah. the best players on your team. Last question on this, Michael. Why do you think Jimmy G did the Niners a solid and took the pay cut? Because I think it's the Don Yee smart. I think Don Yee was smart to do it. Look, Don Yee's sitting there saying, look, if I go to Seattle and take their deal, I'm playing behind two rookie tackles. I'm playing in an offense that he didn't have any time to work in, that it, that it could only look bad for me. If I sit here... And I, you know, what's the most valuable position on any team in football? The backup yeah. quarterback. 
the backup quarterback. You're, you just become eccentrically more valuable every single day. So why not take the money? Yeah, I was never guaranteed $25 million. So that number, to me, sits out there, but it was never real, right? It was never mm-hmm. real. And he knows the lack of interest in him would never translate to $25 million. I mean, he was being really smart here. Like, he laid it all out. Okay, I'm not getting 25, so let's forget about that number. That number doesn't exist. What's the best deal I could make right now? And he knew the 49ers would make that best deal. Let's talk about some more deals on the other side, Michael, because the New York Jets cut quite a bit of players who struck some deals with some other teams around the league. We'll discuss that here on the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but... It has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. All right, Michael, cut down day in the NFL has come and gone. And one team that's made a lot of headlines is the New York Jets. Interestingly enough, the New York Jets, they like all the other teams, have made quite a bit of cuts to get down to 53 players on the active roster. But the Jets, the other teams around the league have an apple for the eye for the Jets <laughs> players that they have cut here. Get this. 11 total players that the Jets have waived over the last three weeks have been picked up by other teams around the league. Seven as of yesterday got picked up and claimed by other teams. What do you make of this here with the Jets cutting some guys that a lot of other teams think are pretty valuable? Well, I mean, look, you know, when you claim guys at the end of a waiver wire, a couple things are happening. You're trying to get, maybe you're trying to get that guy on your practice squad because you know you can't get him if he stays there. So you claim him, carry him for a couple days, cut him, put him on practice. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Two, you may see some value in the back end of your roster for the guy to come through. To me, you know, the question that I asked on Twitter was, you know, there's two ways you have to look at this thing. Are the Jets that talented that they're cutting this many good players? I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know how many players the 07 Patriots cut that got claimed, but, you know, typically playoff caliber teams cut players, not teams that win five that go, right? So that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, how does this happen? You know, or two, are the Jets not very good at evaluating their own players? Are they cutting players that should be on their team? Are they keeping players that should be on their team? I think that's how you have to look at it, you know? And everybody says, well, the Jets are much improved. Okay, I grant you that. The Jets are a better team, Mm -hmm. no doubt. All right, they're a much better team. But people are claiming players off their team. They They won five games last year. They were 32nd in almost every single statistical category that you can name offensively and defensively. Like, tell me why all these players are so talented that you're going to claim them or tell me that the Jets can't evaluate their own players. Like, I think that's the fundamental question you've got to ask. Are the coaches carrying LaMarcus Joyner to be the starting free safety or the starting strong safety over one of the kids they cut? To me, that's where I am on this. Like, to me, it's a little bit of a, like, you want to take it as a compliment that the Jets are so talented, but I don't see it that way. I see it the other way. I, I see this. I see that if, if, Buffalo was cutting this many guys and people claim, okay, I got it. Buffalo's it really sense. good. Buff- yeah. You know, that makes sense. You know, if, if uh, you know, I mean, the Rams are separate because they have no depth, right? So I could see San Francisco, if they cut a defensive lineman, they take it. But to me, 
are the Jets that talented? Uh, I mean, I, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. It's like the old saying goes, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And some of the teams that claim some of these Jets players, the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New Orleans Saints, we've talked about their roster glowingly over this offseason. Then you have Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So these are teams that are pretty solid teams, playoff caliber teams from a year ago that are picking up some of these players for the New York Jets, which kind of goes in line with what you've been saying, that maybe they're just misevaluating some of these guys they have in-house. Well, I mean, they thought they were going to get a bunch of draft picks for all these defensive linemen. That, you know, I was told, you know, I think I think somebody said that the Jets are so loaded at defensive line, somebody will trade for them. You know, now here's the difference, right? When you make a trade at the at the right at the deadline, the only reason you're trading for a player is because you're afraid another team is going to claim them. You see the player is so talented mm-hmm. that you think, oh my God, if I don't get ahead of that team in the order, I'm not going to get them. And the reality of it is, is that's how a team gets, you know, because look, they shop everybody. I mean, let's take Alex Leatherwood. I mean, the Raiders shopped Alex Leatherwood to every single team, to every team. And nobody would even offer him. uh, I mean, they weren't even trying to get back a pick that was commensurate to where he was picked. They were just trying to get him out, you know, and nobody took it. And and the reality of it is, you know why nobody took it? Because nobody wanted to take on the guaranteed contract. Okay. Everybody wanted the Raiders to waive them and then take and then let that contract. The Raiders have to assume liability on the contract and then sign them to a minimum deal. And the Raiders have to, you know, they'll get an offset on the minimum, but that's all they'll get. And lo and behold, the Bears claim them. Lo and behold, the Bears claim them. Like, that's got to be one of the worst claims in all of football. A, they didn't watch the tape on Leatherwood. There's clearly no way you watch Leatherwood this summer and claimed them. There's no way. Like, there is just no way. Like, if you've got any pro system in your building and you're watching pro tape and you watch Leatherwood and you claim him, you know, your pro guys, you send them right to Pearl Vision Center. They got to get an eye exam. <laughs> like something's fucked up here. Are they a sponsor? Like, like, yeah, I mean, get them over to Pearl Vision Center right now. Just let them look at him. I mean, this is fucked up here. We can't, they got no chance, right? Like, uh-huh. and then you assume the contract. You assume the guarantees. Yeah. Why would you do that? Leatherwood's not going to play. Leatherwood has no confidence right now. He may become a player. He may be a guard. I don't know. He was overdrafted. That's a fact. I mean, that's a whole documentary that's going to come. The, a 30 for 30. The, the Mayock and Gruden era in Cleve, in Oakland and Las Vegas, which, you know, people say, well, Lombardi, you're just, you know, you're just piling on. No, 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 no. I'm not piling on. If you go read Gridiron Genius and you read what I wrote about John Gruden and Gridiron Genius from working with John Gruden, from understanding how he wasn't good at the draft, how he wasn't good at team building, how he really didn't understand the drafting process and the mechanics that go into player personnel and a grading system. If you understood all those things, if you read that book, you know that I'm not second guessing, as Art Modell would say, I'm first guessing. I said it then. I predicted this would happen. Mm. I predicted it. So, like, that that's not a question. So, like, there's going to be a documentary on... You paid somebody $10 million. You paid all this money, and this is what you... And Leatherwood's the byproduct of it. I mean, look, Abraham's probably not going to be a starter. Jacob's a good player. You know, you look at Cleveland Farrell, those three picks. I mean, the two first-rounders, Ruggs and Arnett, are gone. I mean, it's really been hard. Now, they get Crosby, they get Hunter Renfro, great picks. But, you know, when you miss on those threes that they were counting on to hit, it's hard. Yeah, none of those guys had their fifth-year option picked up by the new regime of Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels there. So that just goes to show you how those guys feel about the leftovers that were left behind in the Mayock and Gruden regime here with the Raiders. It's interesting, though. You talked about Leatherwood and maybe the Bears didn't watch some of his pro tape. He was a former first-round pick. How much do you think they actually watched of his college tape. You think that's why they picked up? They said, Hey, we believe in the kid and whatever happened in Las Vegas is what happened in Las Vegas. And we think we can turn his career around. I know there was a team that, that had that notion. And I think the more they did homework on the situation, the more they talked to people, you know, the one thing about the players that are on current teams, that staffs get fired coaches from the other teams that are interested call the former coaches because they'll get the truth right mm-hmm. they'll they'll get the truth i'm sure a lot of people called tom cable who was the former o-line coach and say what do you think of leatherwood obviously leatherwood tom must like him they drafted him in, in las vegas and i think when you do that kind of homework you kind of find out where is this going I don't know if the Bears did that. I don't know how the Bears could have made the claim and not have done that homework. 
Like, I, I just don't understand it. So, you know, you assume that guarantee, you take that on. Yeah, yeah, I got a former first-round pick, but I would rather have him wait. I would rather have him wait, deal with his agent, and say, look at our opportunity. He's going to come in here and play. We're not very good in the offensive line. Here he is. Take my Then assume the guarantee. Yeah. You wonder if the Bears front office maybe did some talking around the league, thinking that some other team might have claimed Leatherwood because I'm pretty sure they were high up in the waiver wire order of when they can make their claims there. So Leatherwood didn't even make it down that far if Chicago was a team that claimed him. I don't know right. if Ryan so, Poles and those guys talked to maybe Kansas City. They thought maybe the Chiefs would claim him and they wouldn't be able to get him. Like, how does this all work out? But when you look at claims, right, you, you look at the roster, you look at the player, you look at the guarantee. It isn't just, oh, I like that player on my team, right? Yeah. I got to be able to take, I want that, where's that guarantee? How, why should that player get guaranteed? You know, I mean, more than anything, forget Leatherwood's bad tape this summer. Let's just focus on his guarantees, you know, I mean, there's no way you're walking into the room and saying, I want to take on those guarantees. It's the value's not there. The value wasn't there when they picked him in the first round. Okay, we'll forget about that. It doesn't matter where you pick him. It matters how they play. Well, he didn't play good enough. So a lot of teams, they'll tell you they had Leatherwood Moore as a third or fourth rounder when the Raiders picked him in the first. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We all, everybody takes chance. All right. That's no problem. But if he played like a first rounder, no, but we wouldn't be having this conversation. And just for the record, the Bears were seventh in the waiver wire order right. this year. So that's pretty high you know, up. To me, what they could have done is they could have they could have said to the Raiders, look, we'll only trade for – we'll give you a sixth. You take half the guarantee, we'll take half the guarantee. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, the Raiders would have said no, or maybe they would have said, you know, the Raiders would say, okay, you know, we'll, you take – you know, I mean, maybe there could have been a way to work it out. But instead – you know, I mean, you think there's a party that Celine Dion's going to start? I mean, excuse me, that Adele's going to start to, uh, uh, residence in Vegas? There was probably a party over at the Raiders facility bigger than Adele. <laughs> she might come in. And, I mean, they now can afford to bring Adele in to sing to the group based on savings they made with Leatherwood. <laughs> yeah. They could have a private concert with Adele in their backyard now that they saved all that money. <laughs> Yeah, it's one thing that you kind of have to read the room and it's a tricky situation of maybe the other teams weren't going to do it so you could have picked him up there after he went through the waivers. But the Bears I, I, went ahead and I don't know him. about, fam, I don't know about reading the room. I think it's just, it's about being smart. It's about experience at the position. Mm-hmm. I think Ryan Poles, I don't know who he's listening to on this stuff, but I, I don't see it. Yeah, first year GM there, Ryan Poles in the Chicago area. All right, Michael, let's take a quick break. We're going to continue the Blue Chip Red Chip series talking coaching staffs in the NFL. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code shuffle that's code shuffle for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia visit www.1800gambler.net in New York call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources the blue chips and red chip series continues here michael and we've made our way to the coaching staffs and before we get into the list of the red chips and the blue chips why don't you let the listeners know what is the criteria how would you define a blue chip and red chip coaching staff versus the other coaching staffs in the national football league 
Well, I think you have to look at the staff in totality, right? I think you have to look at it and say, okay, all the new staffs, the new head coaches, you kind of have to separate them outside. We don't know. You know, I mean, we just don't know how good they'll be uh, and what's what's going to happen with them. So, you know, and then you look at the head coach and you look at the the coordinators, special teams, offense, and defense, and the combined of those guys, how do they make up everything, right? So, like, take Baltimore, and, and we could put up the, the red group right here. So, Baltimore's got a really good head coach. You know, Roman, I disagree with what he does with Lamar, but he knows how to run the football. Mm-hmm. And then they have Mike McDonald as the defense coach. So, there's kind of an unknown. So, they kind of fit more in the red category because we just don't know. But when you're preparing to bet on games, I, I urge everybody to do this every week. I do it. Like I'm, I'm, I have a sheet that I put, you know, week one, you know, it's Ken Dorsey versus Raheem Morris. It's Leslie Frazier versus Sean McVay. It's Pete Carmichael versus Dean Peace. It's Dennis Allen versus Arthur Smith. I mean, that's, that's the game within the game that you have to analyze. And that's where you have to kind of find out where are you, where's the advantage, where isn't the advantage, what's the matchup, how the matchup favors this, is it going to work out here or there? And I think that just puts us in order. So the way I try to look at this is what staff really does a good job adjusting, what staff is good in three areas, and moving forward. Well, let's get to this red chips list here, and our viewing audience will see the graphic, but our listeners, this is the list of Michael's red chip coaching staff. It's the Baltimore Ravens, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Buffalo Bills, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Indianapolis Colts, and then the blue chip coaching staffs in the NFL, the cream of the crop, creme de la creme, some might say. You have the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, the Tennessee Titans, and the New England Patriots. I think a lot of people were expecting the New England Patriots being on the blue chip list because they have the greatest head coach in NFL history, but the offensive and defensive coordinator slots are TBD or TBA. Either way, we don't really know who's in those positions, but that doesn't really waver you any any such way. Well, I mean, I think they finished, what, seventh in the league last year and points allowed defensively. I mean, they played pretty good defense other than when they saw Buffalo. So, And they do have the best head coach. I mean, like when you take Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh, I think they're going to be Terrell Austin's a defense coordinator along with Brian Dayball. I think he's going to help. And Matt Canada, you're a little unsure about that staff. Where are they going there? You know, Danny Smith's been the special teams coach for a long, long time. So what I try to do is just kind of see where, you know, the combined total of the staff. I mean, when you look at all these clubs, when you look at uh, you know, Kansas City, you know, really good special teams coach. Spagnola, you know, he coaches defense different than the way I, I like it, but, mm. you know, they got better as the year went on. And then Andy Reid's one of the best offensive minds in all of football. I, I know Eric Bieniemy has the title, but Andy runs it. So when I do, like, when I'm comparing Kansas City to, you know, they're playing Arizona, I'm not saying it's Eric Bieniemy versus Vance Joseph. I'm saying it's Andy Reid versus Vance Joseph. So, you know, like just like at Green Bay, I'm saying Matt LaFleur versus Ed Donatel. I mean, Green Bay's not in the list. You know, Joe Barry, Matt LaFleur, and Rich Basachi, maybe they'll maybe they'll improve this year. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they'll make a huge difference. But, you know, what I try to do is just like, okay, Tampa Bay's in there because I think Todd Bowles is really good. You know, and I think Todd Bowles is a head coach. He's gonna keep his job as the coordinator. And I think he'll do really good. Leftwich has been able to run a very good, effective offense, even though Bruce Arians isn't there. So I think they're one of the better staffs. That's why I put them in the red chip category. You know, Kansas City is interesting because we see a lot of these coaching staffs get plucked because maybe an offensive coordinator gets a job somewhere else or a defensive coordinator gets a job somewhere else. Kansas City has quite a bit of continuity with Andy Reid. He's been there since 2013. Then you have Eric Bieniemy as his offensive coordinator over the last handful of years. Steve Spagnuolo as the defensive coordinator as well. And Dave Tube of the special teams, the coordinator as well, he's highly thought of around the league. How much does continuity matter? Because when I look at New England, they have to take a little bit of a hit just because Josh McDaniels, who is one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL, one of the best play callers, is now getting yep. that head coaching job in Las Vegas. I think it's huge. And, you know, I think it's going to be that's the challenge that the New England has is how do they change? How do they adapt? How do they stay focused? You know, Steve Jobs talks about focus, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and when you make a change like this, I think ultimately it affects you because people say, well, you know, you, you lose your focus, right? You know, you, you, you're, you're going to have someone new come in. And, and I say to me, it's a little bit different. I, I think when you make changes like this, your focus, you have so many people 
that want to have an impact, want to do different things, that you lose your focus a little bit. And I think this is what you see in the summer with the Patriots. I think you see a little lack of focus in that area because they're kind of all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so I think what Bill, to me, what what Bill and Bill is very much like Steve Jobs in the sense of how he thinks about things. But, you know, there's a great quote. People say, uh, Steve Jobs says, people think focus means saying yes to things you focus on, but that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the other hundred good ideas that are there. You have to pick Mm -hmm. carefully. I'm actually proud of the things we've done as the things I have done. Innovation is saying no to a thousand things. I think this is the challenge that awaits Bill as he watches his offense this summer. How does he say no to all these ideas that these new coaches have come into and remain focused on the task at hand. I think that's the really challenge, right? Yeah. I think that's what they have to do. And so people say, well, who's the coordinator? No, I think they have to figure out what their offense is and what it isn't. It's the, everybody's caught up in who's calling the plays. But they, they've run the outside zone most of the summer. They haven't been very effective of it. So, you know, where Bill's strength is, is being able to focus and understand what is urgent and important. And I think that's where he'll have to fix the offense, and that's where that's time will tell. But you're right, losing Josh is going to be a problem. However, that being said, you know if he can get this turned around in that area, I think that that can be corrected. Yeah, no, he's lost Josh before, and they still had success. So. Yeah, but he had Billy O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, he always he had has Billy, had yeah. somebody there that you know he could rely on. He brought Brian Dayball in in case he lost Josh before. I, I don't think I don't think Bill. I, I mean, Josh turned down so many jobs, right? Yeah. That I, I, I it almost got to the point where I'm not sure they thought Josh would ever leave, right? Mm-hmm. So he did. And look, sometimes you have to go through this. But like I said, I think as anybody who's in in sports. I've often said this, what is the job What is the job, and what it isn't? And these head coaches that are really successful, the ones on the blue list, they get that, right? They get that. Like, I think there's some – like Pete Carroll's. I think, is a really good coach. I think his, his, his record in the National Football League is certainly going to get him into the Hall of Fame based on the criteria I said in my new book. But I think he's going through a change. He's got a new defensive coordinator. Shane Waldron's in his second year. There's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. And last year, the offense didn't take the step that you were hoping they would take. Michael, do you think a coaching staff has more impact during a game making adjustments or during the week with preparation? Both. I, th- I think the adjustments are really important. I've said this many times, right? And every NFL game, the first quarter is trying to figure out what happened, what we prepared for, is it happening? It's an assessment. The first quarter is all about assessing. The second and the third quarter are all about adjusting. And then the fourth quarter is a standalone game. See, I I think to me, analytics doesn't acknowledge those three categories, right? I think analytics wants you to treat the first quarter like the fourth quarter, right? I think it's completely, I think they're completely different games. So I think you've got to be, what we're doing in the first quarter, we're assessing. What we're doing in the second and the third is adjusting. What we're doing in the fourth is, is standalone game that can play completely different, mm-hmm. and I I think that's what you have to do. I think if and that's what one of the biggest problems is Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell. I think Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell, he he's not going to have any time assessing in the first quarter because he's going to be calling the plays. So that's what slips a little bit, right? That's what you know. We need to do this. We need to fix that. That's that that's something that's missing. Yeah, first-year head coach, first-time calling plays. That's a lot on his plate. Same with Mike yeah, McDaniel I mean, out in Miami as well. Yeah, when you go back, I, I went through it this this morning when I was working, getting ready for the pod today. You know, like when you go through the first week of the season, you know, I, 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 you look at the only two coaches won the first weekend of the season, right? And, you know, it took a while. You know, the Eagles, and, that, and, and one of them had a win because the Eagles played the Falcons, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so Sirianni won and Staley beat Washington. And so, you know, it's like there's an on-the-job learning curve that you have to go through. And I think when you look at, it's funny, I was going through the overs and the unders. When you look at the teams that played uh, offensive head coach versus offensive head coach, the overs hit. When you look at a defensive head coach like Brian Flores versus Belichick, it, the under hit. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, if you're not thinking about, when you're making your bets, if you're not thinking about the coordinators, the head coach, and all that intertwines, and the past history between the coaches, then, you know, like, let's take, for example, Pat Graham versus Joe Lombardi. Well, Pat Graham is going to watch every single New Orleans Saints tape 
of uh, that he can because Joe Lombardi runs the Saints offense. Yeah. Can a non-red or blue chip coaching staff win a Super Bowl? Because you have left off some pretty good teams that are not on this list. You have the, the Green Bay Packers, who you've talked about, the Chargers, the Cowboys, Broncos, Eagles, the Bengals, who went to the Super Bowl last year. Is it possible for a non-red or blue chip coaching staff to lead a team to a Super Bowl? Yeah, I think there certainly there is. I mean, some of those teams, you know, let's take the Eagles, right? You know, the Eagles, I think, have to prove. I mean, last year, Jonathan Gannon against good quarterbacks, they struggled defensively. Can he take a mother may I step forward? You know, Nick Sirianni doesn't call a play. Shane Strickland does now, you know, but they have a really good coaching staff. I think the Eagles' attitude is simply this. The organization is going to carry the team, not one individual. That may work. That may it worked before them in the past. They won a Super Bowl that way. So I think a lot of those teams, like the Chargers, you know, can Staley improve what he did defensively? Because he wasn't very good last year defensively. Can Joe Lombardi improve offensively? That remains to be seen. I think there's always room for improvement. I mean, to me, Green Bay, they were so bad in the kicking game last year. Oh, horrific. That you can blame the coach. And certainly Rich Basacci will be improved. But are they going to dedicate the time and the energy to allow their special teams to get better. That I don't know. And I think we need to see that. I think there needs to be, there's no track record of that, right? Yeah. Ultimately, which coaching staff you think does the most with less, Michael? I think Tennessee by far. I mean, you know, I, I was reading today, part of the thing that I think a lot of teams are, are, are analyzing is the fact that you know, COVID have impacted drafts, right? That, you know, John Robinson was saying the other day that, you know, he's had like no players from certain drafts that are on the team. That first round pick from Georgia didn't even get to camp, let alone make the team. You know, and, and a lot of it is people are blaming COVID. I mean, look, I, the other thing that's happened is our reading levels in, a, in America and in high school students is the lowest it's been in the last 30 years and they attribute that to COVID. I mean, COVID is going to take the blame for everything that happens, the last two years of COVID, you know, we couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. Even though people are working from home, people have changed their lifestyle. COVID's getting blamed for bad drafts. COVID's getting blamed for the reading levels in the country. I mean, they're going to blame for everything. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm just saying, but to me, I think what, what Mike Vrabel does with that team is remarkable. When you break them down, I think last year, Mike Tomlin was incredible. What he did with that team. When you oh, break yeah. them down. You know, I think what Brian Flores did with Miami was incredible and got fired for it. You know, so I, I think to me, this is not a knock on anybody who didn't make the list. I just think to me, you've got to weigh those coordinators together. It's so important. Yeah, no supply change, uh, change shortages for us here on the GM shuffle or some of these other coaching staffs that made the blue chips and red chips list. And kudos to Mike Vrabel, the reigning coach of the year. So it goes in line with what you said there with the Titans doing the most with the less. Let's take one more final break, Michael, and we'll get some other news and notes on the other side. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, we want to discuss kind of what the teams are going to be doing heading into Labor Day weekend because there's some roster maneuver that's going to be taking place. Roster gymnastics is a term that I've seen thrown around out there on social media of people getting cut, but then bring brought back for practice squads and all the injury reserve stuff. Uh, what is going to go on right now over the next three to four days in these NFL offices? I think what you're going to see is people are going to try to say, okay, we have a hole in our team. I, I think from this point forward, to be a really good team, you've got to make 10 significant moves. And when I say significant, I think it's really about next year's team. Like if you're at like the New York football giants, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, they may think Daniel Jones is the answer, but you know you're probably going to have a new quarterback on your roster next year, or at least competition for Daniel Jones. Then you have to have a really good backup offensive line. And it starts now. You've got to have five guys with experience on your team, practice squad or the team, that have, say, let's say two years or less experience that you can count within your 10 so that next year when you go to training camp, that second line's played together, they function together, and they're adequate. They're not saying they're great, but they can protect the quarterback so we can evaluate them. Mm-hmm. So we can evaluate them. So those are the kind of moves that are significant to me. They're not significant to the fans because some are going to affect the 23 team. Some are going to affect the 22 team. And I think there's some players out there that the reason the veterans are out there, Femi, is because if you take them on down, you guarantee their contract for the whole season. And a lot of teams are reluctant to lose the flexibility of that. And so because of that, they don't. 
they just kind of step away. So I kind of feel like I feel like this is going to be, you know, maybe week two. You know, Von Miller's recruiting Odell Beckham. Beckham's going to make the team. That's not a question. But is he in shape? Is he ready to go? You know, are we going to pay him for week one when we know we're not going to have him for week one? That kind of thing. I think it goes through. Yeah, some of the veterans who are notable that are still out there, Odell Beckham Jr., like you mentioned, Eric Fisher, the left tackle, and Dominic Sue, Will Fuller, Cole Beasley, Joe Hayden, Jason Pierre-Paul, Emmanuel Sanders, T.Y. Hilton, Chris Harris Jr., Landon Collins, Sheldon Richardson. There's quite a bit of notable free agents yeah. who have had successful careers in the NFL, but you think that maybe after week one is when we could see some of those guys start to sign, especially Odell, who's still rehabbing from the ACL injury that he suffered back in February. Right. But I think, too, though, Femi, I think a lot of those guys, you know, the, the, it's more contract than teams not being interested. Once they lower their demands or once they see that game checks are going to start to happen without the, the money coming in, they may change their tune and they may adjust what they think. And, you know, they, they can go through that. The other thing I think that's really important for people that listen to this that want to bet on week one. And we have a lot of them. And certainly mm-hmm. we give out betting advice on VEASAN and all our podcasts. I think you got to treat week one like playoff weekend. Week okay. one is playoff weekend because every team is 0-0. Every team is optimistic and every stadium is enthusiastic. Like nobody's going to the stadium with a long face. Everybody's going there believing their team can win. Everybody's involved in the game. Everybody's excited. Football's back and everybody wants to win the opening game. And so it's a playoff game. It's, I'm not saying it's win or go home, but it has a playoff feel to it. Mm-hmm. It really does. Opening day in football is way different than any other sport. Because A, it kind of gets you off to the right foot. It sees where you are. So I think when you're betting this, I think you got to be really careful to understand the dynamics of this is not going to be a pushover. You know, Houston is just not going to roll around and lay, play for dead and give up, you know, a big lead to, to Indianapolis and cover the eight that's the line. I think it's a back and forth. I think games are going to be closer. Now, some will blow out. We saw it last year, you know, when Atlanta played Philadelphia. It was a close game for the first half. It became a a big game in the second half. Conversely, San Francisco with Detroit. You know, Detroit was, was getting blown out in the first half, made a run in the second half. I think there's that, but I think this is going to be really a back and forth. Plus, coaches have showed nothing. It's going to be who can adjust the best based on what's occurring in the first quarter to make it to second and third and get to the fourth. You talked about that optimism, that O and O. I cannot wait for week one. Coming up next week, Bills Rams kicks it all off next Thursday from LA. Then we get the full slate on Sunday, then Monday as well. It's going to be so much fun, and we're going to be here for two times per week. Get that right, folks. The programming note, the GM shuffle, going back to two episodes per week, Monday and Thursday, starting this Monday, which is Labor Day. And, Michael, the Blue Chip Red Chip series concludes with the quarterbacks, quarterbacks. <laughs> the quarterbacks, buddy, get ready to get yelled at, family. You're going <laughs> to get to, you get ready to get yelled at. You're going to get yelled at. You're going to be called an idiot a thousand times on Twitter. It's all right. That's why we love it. You know, we all right. have difference of opinions. It's why we yeah. love it. I can't wait to see your list. And who knows? Maybe we'll have differences of opinion coming up on Monday with the I podcast. Hope we do. I hope, I we, hope do. we do. Yeah, we might have some differences of opinion, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So, like I said. Two episodes per week starting this Monday, Labor Day, and then we're going to go two per week all the way through to the Super Bowl as football is here. We've made it through all the dog days, and we're happy you guys have made it along with us. Continue to subscribe, rate, and review. Tweet at us. Like I said, M Lombardi NFL is where you can find Michael. Femi and Bebefe is where you can find me. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to our producer, Stephen Bond, with us as always on the ones and twos. And thank you to you, Michael, and I'll talk to you on Monday.